So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. SIMULTV.com. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Stakeout. I'm your host, Larry Lawson, coming to you from beautiful Vero Beach and Fellsmere, Florida, the southern command post of the X-Zone radio and television broadcast network headquartered in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And I'd like to invite all of you tonight to join us on our continuing journey, our quest, if you will, to uncover the answers to what really is on the other side, man's oldest question, what exists on the other side. And uh, tonight, I'm very pleased to introduce to you my guest, Miss Linda Quirino. Linda is the founder and executive director of the Georgina Paranormal Society in Georgina, Ontario, Canada. Linda has been involved with paranormal investigation and research since 1982. Her experiences with the paranormal began when she was a child at the family cottage in the province of Quebec. Linda would see shadow people in her bedroom at the cottage, which was built by her grandfather on an old Canadian Mountie station. Her curiosity led to her reading everything and anything she could about ghosts and hauntings, and that eventually led to her beginning her own freelance investigations while in college in her hometown of Montreal. After moving to Ontario in 1986, Linda continued to research and investigate the paranormal on her own until joining the Toronto Ghosts and Hauntings Research Society as its assistant director in 1997. In 2003, she left the group to pursue freelance investigations in the town of Georgina, eventually forming the Georgina Paranormal Society in 2012. Known locally as the GPS, the society is very active in Georgina and surrounding areas, holding bi-monthly paranormal meetings at a local funeral home, as well as holding public walkabouts and speaking with local groups about active area hauntings and the paranormal in general. Linda has appeared in seasons three and four as a paranormal expert on the television series Paranormal Survivor, and is currently filming segments for its fifth season. Linda and her team focus on helping the haunted in Georgina and surrounding towns and look forward to helping more people with their paranormal issues in the coming year. Linda, welcome to Paranormal Stakeout. Well, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you in the frozen north up there. My uh, hat's off to you. I guess that's why I'm in Florida. I could not uh, do that winter like you guys are doing it up there right now. Oh, we're seasoned veterans up here. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. So, kind of, I'd like to get my audience to uh, get to know you a little bit. Tell, tell us how you got involved in these paranormal experiences. I'm particularly interested about the old Canadian Mounted Police Station that the cottage was built on. Tell us more. Yeah, my uh, my grandfather, who was very Slovak, he came over from, uh, well, Czechoslovakia, now Slovakia. Um, in the 30s, um, he was a builder and decided that he wanted to build a cottage. Uh, we lived in Montreal, and um, he decided to build a cottage in the Laurentians over um, a one-room Mountie station. So that was actually the bedroom that I had as a child, and it was on the ground floor. And of course, it was very normal for me to be tucked in at night and then uh, see people kind of around me all night. So uh, that was my first big experience was at the cottage at the Mountie Station. Now, did you tell your parents about this? How did they react to it? Did they encourage you, um, discourage you? Oh, yeah. You know what? My parents, thankfully, were really, really good. 
Uh, they never chastised me or told me I was crazy or anything like that. Um, being European background as well, we uh, used to talk about things like ghosts and hauntings. And, uh, you know, it never really bothered me. And I always thought I was, uh, I don't know, kind of singled out and special because I was able to see people. Okay. And so you, you grow up with these types of experiences. What led you to investigating, becoming more of a formal investigator? Well, it was really interesting because when I started school, I would uh, talk to other kids. And, of course, they would say, well, there's no such thing as ghosts. And I thought, well, of course there are because I've been seeing them my whole life. So I wanted to know that I wasn't alone. And I think that was part of the, the reason why I decided, well, I'm just going to read anything and everything that I possibly could about other people's experiences. And um, that led me to remember the old scholastic book clubs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I still have my really dog-eared copy of a book called uh, Some Canadian Ghosts by Sheila Hervey. And uh, that's really what got me started on my quest to find out if other people uh, saw things that I saw. Mm -hmm. So I well, ended up reading everything I could. And uh, when did you formally begin investigating? What, 1982, was it? Yeah, um, throughout high school, I was really interested uh, in the paranormal still, and I kept reading everything I could and talking to other people about their experiences, and I found that a lot of people did have experiences and were quite willing to share, as long as I didn't tell everybody else that they were having experiences. <laughs> yeah, back back then, it was still kind of, uh, you were thought of as kind of strange if you believed in ghosts back in the early 80s so yeah, I, yeah. I can understand that but you found people willing to talk to you and that got you moving along on your on your quest um, exactly. what happened what happened next well what happened next was that uh, it was really interesting in Quebec when you graduate from high school you go to something called CGEP which is kind of like a preparatory for university so um, I ended up going to Vanier College which was a CGEP and uh, I was in the Literature and Languages program. I actually wanted to be an English professor. That was my quest in life. But I ended up getting involved in a little group of people in CGEP who were really interested in ghosts and hauntings. And then when I started McGill um, in 1982, people kind of knew that I was into this. So they would ask me all kinds of questions about the paranormal. And I ended up researching on my own and again uh reading everything i could about the the whole topic mm -hmm. uh and you when you began your own group well, let, let me back up just a little bit so you, you really never had any formal training in this field it was mostly self-taught would that be accurate yeah definitely mostly self-taught and uh back then there really wasn't that whole you know tv uh paranormal investigative experience that there is now so I didn't really have a lot to go on. I trusted my instincts um, and uh, started really small. Um, myself and one other person that I went to McGill with, um, we were the little paranormal kids and we went out and investigated on our own, which uh, back then was kind of unheard of. Yeah, it, it was. Now, obviously, as you said, there were no big TV stars uh, purporting the, uh, the evidence of the paranormal back then. But right. you had to have somebody that influenced you. You're, you're, did you have a hero, paranormal hero, if you will, in the field? I kind of did. I remember um, reading a book by Lloyd Arbach, and uh, I believe it was called something like ESP Hauntings and Poltergeist or something. And they, um, he had put in the back of that particular book all kinds of questions that you could ask if you were going on a paranormal investigation. And... Uh, I think I kind of took my cues from uh, from Mr. Arbach because um, that's kind of how I started out. I, I made my own little questionnaire and uh, I went with a tape recorder and a camera that had one of those, uh, you know, those click things at the top. What are they called again? Click things at the top, uh, like a little 110 Instamatic or you something like it. that? You got it. Exactly. Jeez, that is going back a few years. You bet. So you, you started investigating with really the bare minimum of tools. And, and I know back in the early days of investigation, a lot of folks, they, they, they have the fancy laser thermometers now. But one of the uh, old, some of the old time methods, including using a compass and a yeah. simple uh, glass of water with a mercury thermometer in it for cold spots. 
So you, yeah. you started out in, in the beginning. Now, as you're doing this, you're gaining experience. What pitfalls did you come across? You're, you're, you're learning this on your own. What problems yeah. did you encompass? Would you incur, shall we say? Well, you know what? Honestly, um, because I was doing this by myself and sometimes with somebody else uh, who used to get scared off and then I would end up doing it by myself. Um, <laughs> really, because there was no set uh, boundaries, I kind of tested the waters. I mean, I used to walk around with uh, Kool-Aid in my bag and use that as uh, like a trigger object, you know, put a glass in it and see if uh, anything was gonna move the glass, if people were talking about, you know, objects that were moving in their house. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, really what I, I came across was a lot of people telling me that I was crazy for doing mm -hmm. this. There was no such thing as ghosts. Um, and I used to just counter them by saying, well then why are people coming forward and asking me to go to their house? and why are they asking me to come over to find out what's going on and get validation if there's really nothing out there? That's true. Um, we've got a, just a couple minutes before our first break here. What was your first big, your first big break, shall we say? Your first, first real event. My first real event. Well, um, I was summoned to a house in Hudson, Quebec. And uh, this lady was having some issues, um, and there was myself and one other person. Um, and uh, as I began to talk about what was going on in the house with her, a big crystal ashtray, really, it flew right off the, um, um, the fireplace mantle and missed me by about an inch. So that was oh. my, my, yeah, <laughs> that was my big, my big aha moment. Welcome to the paranormal world. You got yeah, it. Okay. You got it. <laughs> um, did that investigation end up uh, giving you any other any other evidence? Um, you know what? That was the big evidence there. I think yeah, that was I guess. Yeah, that was the big one. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, um, we're gonna we're gonna be taking our first break here in just a couple seconds. But when we get back, um, I want to talk about your team. I want to talk about the makeup of your team, how you selected folks to be part of your team, as well as your training regimen and, and what you do to continue improving what it is that uh, you do for a living. So folks, stay with us. I'm with Linda Carino of the Georgina Paranormal Society, and we're gonna be back right after this break. So folks, stay with us. We'll see you shortly. You're a skeptic or a believer. Join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on Skype Exxone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, 
keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. And we are back on Paranormal Stakeout with my guest tonight, Linda Corino of the Georgina Paranormal Society out of Georgina, Ontario, Canada, um, in the cold country, I might add. Um, um, I also want to, your, your uh, website is www.georginaparanormalsociety.weebly.com, correct? Exactly. Okay, so we'll, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So uh, we got a, kind of an idea of uh, how you got started. Uh, you were with the a Toronto team for a while, and you left that and obviously moved up to Georgina. Yep. You created a team up there. What, what parameters did you set for this team? A lot of my listeners would like to know how you put a team together and how you recruited and what you were looking for. Well, um, I have a really um, very distinct philosophy um, about what I do. And the people that I chose had to kind of fit into what my parameters are. Because I really believe that, um, you know, first of all, you have to have some training. But you also have to be um, very respectful and educated in the paranormal. So. Um, what I looked for were people who were sensitive to other people's issues, um, open-minded, of course, um, had some kind of experiences themselves so that they could have some sort of a, a springboard, uh, some kind of frame of reference, um, and people who are very interested in uh, learning more and also in um, kind of just um, going with the flow, but also understanding um, how to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, I guess thoughtful and present in the experience. You can't just go in thinking that people want, you know, cameras and cables and and uh, all kinds of things in their faces. You have to be sensitive to what they're going through. Um, you also have to understand that sometimes it involves a lot of counseling. Um, that is a real, you have to be tactful. I mean, that's something mm -hmm. that... Uh, yeah, you have to be understanding, tactful, diplomatic, um, respectful, and uh, you just have to know a little bit about what you're doing and open to learning more. Okay. Do you um, do you require any training to, to enter your group, or do you provide any training? What we do is we like to do hands-on training. So what we'll do is we'll go through some of the, uh, the cases that we previously went through and went on, uh, review them and uh, talk about some of the techniques that we use and try to come up with um, sort of a standard, I guess, mm -hmm. of, uh, of techniques and training. Um, and also, what I like to tell people is that, you know, it doesn't matter how much training you have. Every case is unique. Every individual is unique. So you also have to be open-minded and really flexible. So within the parameters, you can encounter things that are kind of out of the ordinary and you've got to be able to to go with the flow and run with it you've got to be flexible i'd agree now you mentioned something kind of important to me there's standards and that's mm -hmm. one thing that i have found that's lacking in the field not necessarily through anybody's um, lack of diligence but maybe lack of understanding there there seems to be there doesn't seem to be a set set of standards within the industry if you will 
Right. Um, in other words, like I, my law enforcement background, we can investigate a homicide down here in Florida and essentially, I mean, with the difference of certain laws and certain techniques, no doubt, but they're going to a, a investigate a homicide in Montreal essentially the same way because there are standards and parameters. Right. Why don't we have that in our field? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when you think about it, um, you're right. Doctors, you know, they have to take the Hippocratic Oath or whatever. I mm -hmm. think paranormal investigators should have something kind of like that, where, you know, you can go anywhere and be put on a team and understand that there are certain things that you must um, respect and must take into consideration. What do you think is keeping us from doing that, from reaching that goal? You know what, I think there are so many different philosophies about the paranormal and uh, you've got people that uh, are doing it for different reasons. And I think okay. that's, yeah, that's pretty much what, what I've seen in my like 37 years in the field. People have different reasons for doing what we're doing. What do you think is the most common reason? Well, I, I'm hoping that a common reason is that we're helping people. We're helping people to realize that they're not alone and they're not crazy. Um, but I also think that um, other people are doing this because they're getting incredible kicks out of it. Um, they're not doing it for um, a, what is it, a good, a greater good. I think they're doing it because they want to see a ghost. Um, they're doing it for big kicks. Um, and I think that's, uh, that there's danger involved in that. I mean, any investigation that I've been on, um, I really insist on being respectful. I mean, I don't go in and, and provoke anything. I don't go in and Agreed. say, you know, push me, touch me, scratch me. I, I never do that. And I, I think people have to respect um, what you're doing and you have to go in with good intentions. Uh, and, and oftentimes you said people go in for it the wrong for the wrong reasons. I, I don't think it. I, I don't think it's fair to say that n none of us in, don't enjoy the adrenaline rush of the good EVP or, or, or getting some evidence. But I do right. believe that most of us have to have the proper motivation. I talk about that myself. What is your mo in, in the courses that I teach? What is your motivation for being here? And and right. is it pure? Um, yes. So how do you sort those kind of folks out? How, or how do you change their way of thinking if? Perhaps they're they're looking at getting into the field wrong. Somebody comes to your team. They want to be part of Georgina Paranormal. Right. How right. do you vet them? Um, you know what? It's it's hard to do. I mean, any boss knows that you can do a million interviews, hire somebody, and then um, in the the three weeks that they work there, it could just go so horribly wrong. So, mm -hmm. um, I really it, it's it's difficult to vet people. Um, but I think that, um, you know, you do the best that you can. You ask them what, what their motivations are. And I'm really fortunate because um, here in my community, I'm allowed to have uh, a wonderful thing called bi-monthly meetings. So <laughs> um, mm -hmm. what I do is, um, and this is how I've, I've actually gotten my team members, um, what I do is I have bi-monthly meetings. I invite the public to come to them. Um, they're free. We talk about the paranormal. We, t we answer questions. Um, we, um, we just share experiences. And I find that um, that really helps me to understand who's out there, who's interesting, and who's interested in doing this with uh, integrity. And that's really how I've found um, who's on my team. Excellent. How many, how many members do you have right now? Right now we have five. Um, mm -hmm. we've, we've sort of morphed throughout the years, but right now we do have five. Um, they're excellent. They have incredible, um, I don't know, stick to I like to call it. Um, and they're very open-minded, wonderful. Um, I don't know, they're just wonderful investigators. They follow protocol. They're very respectful. Um, and they were people that uh, kept coming to the meetings. Okay. Um do, uh, when you, you mentioned protocols a second, do you have set of written protocols at all, or is it just understood? Um, at the moment, it's understood, but I am working on written protocols because I found that uh, in the past, sometimes people kind of disrespected the boundaries, but uh, mm -hmm. 
you know what that comes with uh, with experience you know you gotta you gotta go in and you gotta experience things because honestly that's how you learn and i would i would agree now i want to touch on something else here something that that, that concerns me that happens in the field and this is individuals going into home, somebody's home, um, making promises they can't keep and are not qualified to keep, such as I can send somebody back into the light or to the other side, or I can cleanse your home. Mm. And oftentimes they can't. And uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Have you experienced that? Because that's a concern of mine. As a law enforcement officer, I, I'm sworn to protect to go in and do something that I'm really not capable or qualified to do and making a promise concerns me. Do you run into that at all? And what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting that you say that because uh, recently we've uh, gotten some cases that uh, other people didn't particularly want to touch or didn't know how to deal with. And we've gone in and had to clean up certain things. Um, I'm really lucky and very blessed that my assistant director, Chris Shader, she is uh, clairvoyant. So she is able to pick up on things that maybe sometimes I can't pick up on or other members of the team can't pick up on. Um, so she is very um, obviously intuitive. She has a lot of experience with uh, cleansing of homes, doing smudging rituals, um, and uh, is very knowledgeable about that kind of thing. So. I'm pretty lucky, but we have run into situations, you're right, where people promise things they can't deliver, or they go in and they stir things up, and then we are their, their you know, last course of action. So we go in and try and, and, and fix things. Well, when you say you, you try to fix things, how do you yeah. guys try to fix it? How do you know you fixed it? And, and this is one thing I want my audience to hear is, how, how do you know you've been successful? Well, you know what? We rely on a lot of feedback, too. I mean, some people go in and they say things that uh, maybe aren't true. Uh, they might promise things. Um, and, you know, obviously, they've, they've just stirred things up. And mm -hmm. you have to look at your clients as well. And you have to sit down with them and find out what makes them tick and what's going on in the house and trying to kind of be a CSI. I mean, we really are CSI paranormal. Okay. <laughs> um, and I think... How we know we fix things is that, you know, we don't go in uh, willy-nilly and kind of say, yeah, we're done. We always keep in contact with these people. You and, do follow-up. Uh, yeah, we do follow-up and we try and make sure that everything is uh, is copacetic. Okay. okay, very good. Okay, well, got some more things I'd like to chat with you about that. So folks, stay with us. I'm with Linda Corino of the Georgina Paranormal Society. So folks, uh, we'll be back in just a couple seconds after this short break. Paranormal Stakeouts. They are here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologist, Facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceive the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. 
For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Paranormal Stakeout with my guest tonight, Linda Quirino. Quirino, I'm sorry, Linda, of the Georgina Paranormal Society. Um, uh, and before the last break, we were just talking about, for lack of a better term, responsibility in what for what we do. Um, and and you would discuss how you guys would go in and clean up situations, which we we've all done to some extent. I uh, I spend most of my time being very selective in doing homes, and I think you bring up a good point. You've got to know your client. What do you do to get to know your client in, in a way that is respectful to them, but at the same time reveals to you whether or not you're, are you dealing with something paranormal, or are you dealing with perhaps a mental health issue or a substance abuse issue, something like that? How do you discern that? Um, we actually go in um, and we do a preliminary interview with the client. So we have a list of questions that we ask um, and we're very tactful. You know, we, we look around, we ask for a, a tour of, uh, of the home and some of the more active areas. Um, but we're very, um, well, what's the word? I guess we, we watch for cues. You know, we, we, we go in and we ask the right questions. And then we have a little meeting and we talk about, okay, is this viable? I mean, what did you think? What do you feel? What situations are going on in the house? So we do a thorough preliminary interview with the client. And then we, we discern whether it's a doable thing. Okay. What happens? Define doable. Uh, what, um, if, what is doable? What is not doable? Well, sometimes the client wants, um, they, they want their house to be haunted. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, uh, but... No, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, they really want their house to be haunted. Um, and after doing this for as long as I've been doing this, you know, I know when somebody is telling me, oh, yeah, I got sounds happening. All, I, and, and it's not consistent. So you look for consistency in what they're saying. Um, you ask them specific questions. Where is it happening? When is it happening? Ask them to keep some form of a diary or um, a journal or a log of, of, you know, what's happening. And it's interesting how you can really ascertain in those, you know, 20, 30 minutes of a preliminary interview whether or not somebody is lying to you, whether or not they really want their house to be haunted, or whether something really is happening. You know, you, you can really tell. I don't know what it is. You have to develop some sort of an extra extrasensory perception. But you really do. If you've been doing this for a long time, you know when someone's lying to you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what I did for a living for a long time. Exactly. Uh, you know when somebody's <laughs> lying to you. Um, but you also deal with folks that have true mental health issues. And this is one area I get concerned about. Once, And, I, and I've had folks on the show that really didn't, didn't understand this aspect of it. You can go into a house. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell you, and they're going to they're going to believe their house is haunted, and you're going to go in there and say, okay, uh, I've cleansed it for you. You're going to be fine now. And then, of course, something happens later to this person because it's not actually a paranormal issue. It's an issue within them, and yeah. they maybe do something silly because they thought their house was cleansed and it's not, and they just do something right. to harm themselves or somebody else. That's a huge concern of mine. What do you do to protect yourself from that and protect the client? I mean, I know you talk to them. I know you do the interviews. But as you said, that doesn't always give you the answer. It doesn't always give you the answer. And, you know, luckily, we've only had a handful of cases where uh, somebody truly does have a mental health issue. Um, and we normally are very um, tactful with those people. And we'll say to them, you know, we've done everything that we possibly can. We might refer them to someone else. Um, and that's fun too, because when you do this for a long time, you tend to are, you tend to be really well connected with other mm-hmm. paranormal investigators. So um, sometimes uh, we will refer or we'll get some advice from other paranormal investigators, what they've done in the past with people like that um, and how to proceed. So I think it's a, it's 
you know, it's tact really and connecting with others to see how they've handled it. And we've been really lucky. You know, we've we've been able to go in and say, um, we've done everything that we possibly can. Let's take a look at another angle here. You know, are you are you having some issues in your life? Maybe you need to to talk to somebody about that. And, and they, that, they've been really good. They've been really open to things like that. So well, and, and that's an excellent question. Now you don't do any counseling yourself along no. those lines. I trust. Okay. Do you have yeah. um, folks in the in the uh, mental health industry that are open to you referring or referring for them or? Well. Not really. I mean, we'll talk to the client um, and we'll say, you know what, maybe you should go see your doctor or something like that. Are you having some issues? And honestly, because of our approach, people are are very open to to being honest with us. So we've been really lucky. I've heard some horrible stories, though. (laughs) And luckily, we haven't been involved in those. Yeah, I've heard some horrible stories, too. And once again, that goes into my concern about folks and and a lot of times they may mean well but they're going to give somebody advice that is more turns out to be more harmful than helpful and that's a big concern of mine in the field that we all operate on a level of integrity that doesn't put people in jeopardy but we've talked a lot about you getting into the houses now and, and and talking to the clients tell me about some of the techniques that you use when you conduct an investigation well, a lot of times what we do is we, we tend to go in and we use things like, um, you know, the normal things. We, we do EVPs, absolutely. So we do have K2s. Um, we do, um, you know, uh, try and, and connect with whatever is in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, we use trigger objects often, especially if we have small children that we're dealing with. Um, we go in with uh, our cameras uh, we tend to try out different techniques. For example, we um, we tried out the Connect. That was a really interesting experience. Um, and we are really open. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of money because well, we are. What's the What's the Connect? Go ahead and explain what Connect oh, is. Yeah. To be they may not know what it is. That is the Xbox uh, Connect system. I think it's Xbox. Gosh, I don't even remember Xbox One. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is purported to do is it picks up on things that the naked eye can't see um, in a particular location. So it uh, it maps out what um, ostensibly could possibly be um, a spirit or an entity in a particular location. And it's actually been an interesting experience because we've managed to get some um, interesting EVPs uh, with the Connect in operation. So that's been an interesting experience for us. So we're really open to learning a lot more. And we're really interested in getting a couple of more, um, um, I guess, pieces of equipment, interested in the obelisk and things like that. But we use a lot of old techniques. And we actually have, uh, most recently, used uh, a compass. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Oh, going old school. I like that. Um, and, and we, we use the same things. Uh, we, I have actually have an, an SLS camera, which is a connect also. And what that yeah. does is it, it, the days where you used to be able to play uh, tennis on the TV, it would pick yes. you up and it began to pick up other anomalies. And that's how that all kind of came out. What's your favorite piece of equipment? What's your most, your favorite, your most successful piece of equipment? And what was the best piece of evidence you got off of it? Um, I'm going to say my old tape recorder. Um, the cassette tape recorder. I've gotten some really interesting EVPs on a cassette tape recorder. So um, I think that's probably my my most favorite piece of equipment. And I do like my digital recorder too. I like EVP work. Mm-hmm. Um, when you conduct an EVP session, what's your protocol for that? Well, first of all, you always have to state, you know, um, who's in the room with you, the time and the date. Um, be very clear about what. Uh, what um, the atmospheric conditions are as well. That's really important too. Um, you can pick up on all kinds of atmospheric disturbances when you're doing EVPs. So you have to be really clear if there's a thunderstorm or if there's going to be other things happening, you need to know that. Um, but we, we have a specific protocol. We leave a good 10 seconds sometimes between questions when we're doing an EVP so that we can pick up on something. 
um, don't go willy-nilly into the next question because um, you never know when you're going to pick up on something. Okay. How, uh, how long are you typically doing an EVP session before you check your tape? Um, you know what? It depends. Um, normally, I would say um, a good EVP session will go about uh, maybe three minutes, four minutes. We might check. Sometimes you go as long as 10. Depends on where we are. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and check and see if you got an answer so that you can, you can address it if you got something, I assume, correct? Right, exactly. Um, Okay. Um, best piece of evidence. I mean, I know you told me about the uh, the the glass dish flying. No, that was crazy. Your your best piece <laughs> is that your best piece of evidence? Um, I'm gonna say so far that's my best piece of evidence. Um, I did go into a home. Um, again, another private residence. We tend to do a lot of private residences. Um. And going in and turning the tape recorder uh, to the next side in um, a bedroom, and one of the objects on a shelf, which was um, one of those little inukshucks. I don't know if you know what those are. Those are little mm -hmm. stone things. Yeah, it literally flew off the shelf again and landed on the floor all by itself. So I've gotten some interesting things happening. Okay, and and uh, when we're we're going to get ready to take our last break here. And when we get back, I want to talk to you a little bit about conducting these, this type of work in a small rural area like Georgina, I'm, I'm sure, is fairly small as compared to Toronto or Montreal. Um, we always hear about the big places, uh, New Orleans and Savannah and, and Toronto. But I want to talk to you about what it's like to investigate in a small town. So, folks, stay with us. Uh, we've got one more session to section to go here on tonight's episode. Stay with us and we'll see you in a couple of minutes. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh yeah? Yeah. 
Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. And we are back, folks. Thanks for uh, staying with us tonight. It's been a great show. Thank you so much, Linda, for being with us. And Linda Carino is the founder and executive director of the Georgina Paranormal Society. Her email is Georgina, and that's G-E-O-R-G-I-N-A, paranormal, at gmail.com. And you can visit their website at www.georginaparanormalsociety.weebly.com. I'd also like to take this opportunity to invite everybody out there to listen to all the great other programs on the Exome Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net is the place to go, uh, as well as the other outlets that are uh, offered by the Exome Radio and Television Broadcast Network. So uh, tune into those great shows, including this one. I always like to have you folks come back and listen to this show, too. Linda... You know, we always talk about, you always hear about the Savannah, Georgias, and the uh, uh, New Orleans, and uh, Ottawa has a, has a terrific jail uh, prison up there that I understand is haunted. All the, London, all these big places. But you're in a fairly small, remote area. Is that a good, a good description? Yeah, absolutely. How many places have you got to investigate? I noticed in your, in your bio you talked about your town and, and the surrounding towns. What's mm-hmm. the difference investigating there as compared to when you were in Montreal? Um, well, you know what? It's a small town, but um, we actually have quite a busy paranormal um, repertoire. <laughs> um, okay. We actually have uh, Georgina Island up here, which is uh, Chippewa, so we do have a lot of uh, indigenous activity here. Um, and the area was uh, very Chippewa, so we tend to have um, you know, uh, Gosh, lots of native elements happening up here. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's different because um, it is rural, um, and we do get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, residential cases up here. But there are a lot of uh, historical areas here too. We're near the lake, um, and Stephen Leacock is buried up here. So um, we get a lot of reports of lights and things happening in uh, St. George's Churchyard where he's buried. Um, mm-hmm. And we have a lot of things happening at the lake, so people will report uh, not only ghosts and, and uh, strange lights, but also UFOs. We have a huge Interesting. UFO. Oh, major huge UFO sightings up here. Really? Do you see a mm-hmm. connection between the two? You know, it's interesting. When you're talking about frequencies and vibrations and atmospheric mm-hmm. things, um, yeah, I really do see a correlation between the two. I find that when we get a lot of reports of uh, UFO activities, um, we also get a lot of reports of ghostly things happening up here. Interesting. What's your theory on that? I, I know you talked about vibration frequency, which I agree, especially in the world of uh, instrumental transcommunication, that's, that's huge. But how does that fit here? Give me your theory on that. You know what, it's interesting because I really think that uh, um, when something happens that we can't explain, I do think that it changes the vibration uh, of a particular location. And I think that that can attract um, other things. So when you have a lot of uh, sightings of UFOs and, and, and other things that are unexplained, I do think that that um, atmospheric condition, as you as you, you put it, um, I think mm-hmm. it can attract other other entities. I think that uh, um, that often happens, and then you get a rush of activity. Well, when when you say attract other activities, mm. are you saying um, attracting? Uh, how to put this? Do you consider the paranormal ghosts and right. aliens to be coming from the same? arena does that make sense i think they're related somehow i don't know exactly how um but in my experience um in the field i can safely say that often um they occur 
um, simultaneously, or at least uh, close. <laughs> Have you been able to do to document any um, evidence or any stats that that you could put on paper? See, that's the type of evidence that that I like to look for: stuff that you can actually put your your hands on. And we do that with atmospheric conditions and solar conditions in our paranormal investigations. Have you been able to do correlate any type any type of proposed uh, UFO activity with paranormal ghost activity? Have you been able to actually put that on in writing? Well, in the seven years um, that Georgina Paranormal has been operational, I've been keeping a lot of notes, and uh, I, I you know what? It's it's kind of odd because I'm only now starting to really pay attention to that simply because. A lot of people that come to our meetings are starting to raise the question of UFOs. And that didn't happen at first. We were just talking about ghosts and just talking about poltergeists and paranormal activity. But now, for some reason, there is um, a greater contingent of people coming out and talking about UFO sightings on the lake. So I've been starting to write those down. And I'm starting to see that there is a correlation between the two of them, the two experiences. So um, who knows, maybe in the next couple of years, I'll have some really good stats for you. Well, that begs the next question, Linda, another thing that uh, many of my listeners have heard me uh, rant about before, and that's the creation of a database, a data bank mm -hmm. for investigators to go to. For example, uh, they're having an, a similar type of uh, situation in their area. We have a, a late, large lake here called Lake Okeechobee. Uh, mm -hmm. perhaps around Lake Okeechobee, people are seeing that correlation. They want to know, is anybody else running into that? So putting your information into that data bank would allow people to look at it and compare notes. Uh, does, do you understand where I'm coming from with that? I totally do. And I have to tell you, that's one of the things uh, that really interests me the most about the paranormal field. And what I focus on with the Georgina Paranormal Society is a common denominator of experience. I think that is so important and so relevant and something that uh, I think, you know, paranormal investigators as a whole need to pay attention to. Then again, I go back to my initial question from the first segment. Why don't we? It seems so simple. We do it in law enforcement. We, we share information across uh, state as well as international lines. We're not doing it in this field and it, it, it keeps us it keeps us separated. It keeps us, uh, uh, we can't work together as one team. And, and, I'm, and I think we need to change that and we need to change it soon. Otherwise, we'll never gain the credibility that we need, with the, especially with the scientific community. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Where do you see us evolving over the next few years? Where do you see the field of paranormal research and investigation evolving? Do you see us getting better with this? Do you see us getting worse? I mean, let's face it, Linda, the equipment we use today is essentially no different than we did 20 years ago. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm hoping that the evolution um, involves a lot of education um, and connecting with other groups and uh, learning from each other. But I really think education is key. Um, and I think that we also have to... Um, you know, in that same vein, I think we have to read and learn about um, not only the field itself, but also sort of the cultural differences and the belief systems that other people have in order to come up with some sort of common denominator. Um, you know, we can't, we just can't just uh, go out and do whatever the heck we want. I mean, I really agree with you. I think we need to have a standard of, um, um, of investigation. It's like, you know, when you're a Catholic, you can go to a Catholic church anywhere and it's the same thing. <laughs> excellent point. Uh, okay. I, 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 that's an excellent point. And that's kind of where um, I would like to see us go. And I think we can, but uh, there's too many naysayers out there saying it can't be done because of ego or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. And I feel that we really need to move forward with that. So uh, I'm going to I'm probably going to enlist you in my uh, little uh, army to go forward th with this because I really feel that's where we need to go. Um, th there's so many differences in techniques and beliefs out there. We 
ever going to reach para unity? Are we ever going to get to the point where we all all are really going to one team? What, what say you? You know what? I think we can. I think what we have to do is be open-minded about what para unity really means. Um, like anything else, I think you can have a standard of investigative techniques, um, but within that standard, I think you know you have to allow for some kind of creativity. Agree. Um, you know, and I think that's the only way that it's going to work. Um, but I think we can achieve para unity if we understand that within the boundaries um, there's uh, flexibility and uh, perhaps differences of opinion. But we have to be on the same page and we have to be doing this for the right reasons. I mean, if we have a mission statement, if we have some sort of, uh, you know, parapsychological quote or oath, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I think we can be on the same page. We have to have something because it can't continue to be, you know, do whatever you want. Um, there has to be a standard. And, and and I, and I do feel, I mean, I, I'll, I will rant and rave about it on occasion, but I really do feel that there's enough of us out there that see the need for it, and, and that's the direction we're going to go. And right here on Paranormal Stakeout, it's going to be ground zero for that groundswell. Now, you've been at this for a lot of years, Linda, and I appreciate uh, what you've shared with us tonight. But you get a young person that is getting uh, ready, wanting to get into this field, whatever, they've watched the shows, they found an interest in it, and they want to get into it. What advice would you get give to a, a person just entering the field? And it doesn't even have to be a young person. It could be somebody uh, at my age that's wanting to get into it for the first time. What advice would you give them? Um, you know what? I really think that it's important for a person to be educated. And I'm talking, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, I think you need to read everything, watch everything, um, listen to everything, um, and come up with your own conclusions, yes, but also, again, to find the commonalities um, of experience and, and run with that. I think you need to, to learn and do um, and get involved with a, a paranormal group out there, you know? Good enough. And, well, unfortunately, we are just about out of time. Linda Quirino from Georgina Paranormal Society, thank you for being with us. Folks, thanks for being with me tonight. I'm looking forward to seeing you next time. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. 
SimulTV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.